It's What's the Point from 538. My name is Jody Avergan. This week, an attempt to improve polling in the city of Philadelphia to get more city residents heard and to have their opinions impact their local government. It's called Be Heard Philly, and the project is pushing some of the boundaries of how polling is done, not just phone calls, but email, online surveys, even by text. In fact, you can sign up to be surveyed just by sending a text. And it seems to be going pretty well. Turns out people have opinions about what they want from their city services. It's just about finding a way to elicit those opinions, which can be a real challenge. One of the organizers of the project is Nina Ho, study director at Temple University's Institute for Survey Research. I started by asking her what the problem is that Be Heard Philly is trying to solve and why Philadelphians aren't being heard already. Recruiting people to participate is a time-intensive and pretty costly endeavor and uh, something that, you know, broadly the field is really struggling with. Every year, um, all of the kind of recurring surveys are facing those same types of problems. So what we're trying to do is be creative here and see that we're in a context where, you know, we are finding people that are interested and willing to participate in research and want to have their voices heard and just kind of want to form a little bit more of a relationship and know where their information's going and what's going to happen with it and, you know, build sort of a relationship that will be ongoing and sustained um, over time. And and part of what our, you know, the overall project goal and our commitment is to share our findings back with our participants. So they're excited and want to participate more in research. So all of the time we'll conduct a survey, Um, you know, we have interviewers out on the street or over the phone where first people are a little bit hesitant to answer questions or participate and then they finish up and they say, hey, wait a second, can you take my information if you're doing any, any more surveys in the future or the next time you have a survey, can you call me and I'll take it? It's it's funny that the, the people of like Iowa and New Hampshire hang up on posters like immediately and you're telling me you're finding people who like, well, I guess it's right. Yeah, like, it's nice to be heard and nice to be asked and nice to have someone want want your opinion about your community. Exactly. And that may be a kind of a unique Philadelphia context. I mean, we have noticed that more so in the city. Why would that be? Why are Philadelphians more uh, eager to answer survey questions? Well, I mean, Philadelphia has a lot of different reputations, definitely very vocal citizens or people with opinions as part of our reputation. And, you know, we're a big, big city geographically. And, you know, the downtown center city area is very, very small. And I think that's what a lot of people think about when they think about Philadelphia. But really, we have... um, Um, You know, 1.5 million people scattered really far apart from one another. And so, you know, if you live way up in the northeast or down in the southwest, um, you know, when people are talking about what Philadelphians think about things, those voices are often not included in in that conversation. So so you're really saying it's it's about demographic groups that are falling through the cracks in terms of having a voice. What are those groups in Philadelphia or how did you identify those groups? So typically in the field of survey research, minority, low income and transient people are referred to as kind of, quote unquote, harder to reach populations. So that's sort of what is kind of the core of Be Heard Philly is making sure that, you know, that all of these harder to reach populations have the opportunity to participate and have their voices heard. I know you're just getting going, but you have done a couple surveys. So like, what is it? What's it like if I were a participant in this? And I don't know, let's say I I opted in for SMS polling. What what would the experience be like? Probably on a Monday through Friday, you would get a text message that would say, Hi, from Be Heard Philly. We've got a new survey for you. It is 10 questions. Should take you, 
you know, less than t- three minutes, and there's a chance of to win a $20 gift card. Um, and, and also we'd say who the survey came from. So, you know, this is from the Department of Public Health has a couple of questions for you. If you're doing it by SMS, does it limit the kinds of questions you can ask? Or is it pretty similar to what a phone survey would look like? With the SMS platform, we're, li- we're limited to questions, including the responses that are fewer than 160 characters. And we can only kind of do multiple choice or yes, no, or open-ended questions, check all that apply, or tell me all the reasons type of questions are a little bit more difficult. Um, But, you know, that's kind of like our most standard, straightforward questionnaire that can be administered via phone, text, and email sort of equally. What we have done with some longer surveys, so for example, we did a pretty comprehensive survey for the Philadelphia Streets Department where they wanted to better understand Philadelphians' knowledge of traffic-related laws and, and their behaviors around kind of traffic and behavior in traffic, uh, that survey was much more complex than what we were able to administer via text. So if you, for example, in this situation, if you had signed up to participate via text, you would have gotten a text invite that said, hi, we've got a new survey from the streets department. Unfortunately, it's a little bit too long to take via text. Here are your options. One, click on this web link right here. If you have a smartphone, you can click on this link and then it would direct you to the web page so that you could take the web version of it or call this number. So when we did that survey for the streets department, we had about half opted to take the survey via web, presumably right on their phone, and then half called in and took the survey. Can you give me a sense of, you know, when you send out uh, a blast, when you decide to ask a question of everyone, I mean, how, how many people, you know, are walking around Philly at that moment and getting a buzz in, in their pocket with their phone? I mean, what, 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 what kind of crowd are you, are you sourcing here? So right now, I think we're just over 2,000 people and our goal is to ultimately get to tens of thousands. I think we'd like to see 10,000 before the end of 2016. Um, but you know, kind of polls that are, as I said, represent, quote unquote, representative of Philadelphia are only polling 1,600 people, 1,500 people. And you are controlling in the way the pollsters always do for demographics once you get your results or when you're deciding who to poll in the first place? Exactly. Yep. Um, so we have a sampling statistician who is on our team. And, you know, when people join Be Heard Philly, we, they give us their age, race, ethnicity, highest level of education, home zip code, um, and gender. And then in subsequent surveys, we've also asked about income and um, having a child and things like that. So then on the back end, after we administer a survey, we do all sorts of waiting to make sure that our that the responses are reflective of the city of Philadelphia as a whole. You, you mentioned a lot of the, the the work you've done going back and 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 doing follow up work, and I mean it just reminds me of something that I hear Nate Silver, our boss, and the other people who deal with polling here, which is like the polling is hard and like it requires a lot of work, and often the just the difference between a good pollster and a bad pollster is just like whether they take shortcuts. Yeah, um, definitely have learned that we cannot take shortcuts. Um, I can tell you one story uh, that we or some lessons that we learned early on about some of our materials. So, you know, here we are at Temple University and, you know, we're all academic researchers and we came up with this idea. We uh, had our graphic designer, a local graphic designer that we know come up with these flyers that we were going to then go into the communities and pass out. And the flyers that the that 
uh, they came up with we thought were awesome. It was this really sexy skyline of Philadelphia and, uh, you know, night view and all the lights in the city and, you know, Be Heard Philly logo right front and center and, you know, a couple of clip uh, phrases about it. So we ordered... And this is a flyer to recruit people to, to participate in the program. Exactly. So we had our outreach coordinators passing these out to everybody on the street in our pilot area. Um, so, you know, we get thousands of these flyers printed. We think these materials look awesome. We show them to, you know, everybody that we know that's kind of in our immediate network and uh, everyone loves them. These are, you know, what a great, great flyer. Um, and so then, you know, we kind of go out into this neighborhood of Philadelphia and start passing them out. And uh, a couple of weeks later, we... As I mentioned before, we uh, recruited this focus, a couple of focus groups to get feedback just on our whole recruitment process, but also on the materials. And so, you know, we passed out the flyers to everyone and said, you know, what do you guys think about these? Kind of like, how great are our materials? <laughs> and it was a huge flop. They all hated it. Um, they thought, you know, some of the people didn't even recognize that it was the Philadelphia city skyline. Um, they felt <laughs> oh, that it but was it's a- such a great skyline. It's like one of America's most under appreciated skylines anyway go on. i would have to agree i know well maybe the angle of the photo was um didn't do it justice or wasn't it's pretty side but um yeah they felt that the you know the the night skyline and the lights was completely cold and that beard philly was about engaging people they kept saying where were all the people in this photo you know this isn't philly heard this is kind of like silent philly at night um, you know, they want to know where are the people, where are like our really key landmarks, where's the love statue, you know, where's pictures of, um, you know, the clothespin or the, uh, you know, bus, you know, famous bus terminals or things like that. Um, and, you know, that was definitely a big wake up call to us and realizing, well, you know, we definitely, you know, here, here we are doing this project where we're trying to be a civic engagement tool and platform for this. Like, we really need to make sure that we are getting you know, hearing Philly voices in our own design of our materials and the whole design of our our project and the infrastructure beard Philly in general. So, um, you know, we went back out and took picture went, you know, all over the city and took pictures of people and landmarks and all that kind of stuff. Um, came up with a second round of a um of a flyer and had that mocked up, which we also thought was pretty great and a big success and um Got more feedback on that, that it wasn't quite right uh, for a couple of other different reasons. And then finally, now we're at our third version, which, wow. um, yeah, is, you know, ha- has gotten a lot of positive feedback, but it has definitely showed us that we really need to involve everybody, you know, all of our members and our constituents at all phases of what we're doing. And I'll mention that I'm looking at a, at a list of all the sort of recruitment methods that you use. You know, there's flyers, but you also post stuff on Craigslist. You get in the media, you use social media, you do bus shelter ads, postcards, you go door to door. I can see how this is is a really ambitious and big project. It, it does feel that way, you know, and we have spent the last couple of months experimenting with as it, like the list that you're looking at, you know, has 12 different methods of recruitment that we've tried. And, you know, three definitely really floated to the top as being super successful. But I don't know that we would have guessed that without trying all 12 of them. And which were those? Um, so first was actually do, or doing these targeted recruitment days where we were sending people out, um, taking these flyers and just walking out on the streets and passing them out to people and uh, like physically approaching people passing by and saying, here, this is Be Heard Philly, join Be Heard Philly. So that was our active recruitment. That's like the Greenpeace people that everyone kind of like puts their head down and just like keeps like walks a little faster to try and get by them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So 
we, not surprisingly, we found out that that was not very successful. But those same outreach coordinators, then, you know, a couple of them had had some experience doing some um, promotion work. They said, you know what, we need to take a step back. We're intimidating people. They went, uh, this is great. We were so, you know, proud of our uh, of our outreach team. But so they went to the Temple Bookstore and bought all this Temple paraphernalia, you know, tablecloth and signs and got pens and this and that and just set up a table for themselves at all of these kind of high traffic zones like the bus station and the library and, um, you know, transit terminals and stuff like that and just kind of sat back. And then people, you know, walking by are like, hey, what is what's going on over there? Why do these people have this kind of fancy table set up in my in the subway station? What are they doing? And they had people start to approach them and then they got to give their spiel and sign. They were signing up, you know, 50, 100 people a day doing that. So that was, you know, a really great success for us and something that, um, you know, kind of took actually getting out into the field and experimenting to figure out. So what are the lessons for other pollsters out there? Because you, you hinted at it, and it's something we've talked about a lot uh, here at 538 is the sort of state of polling and that web polling is really unreliable at the moment, but it, you know someone's got to figure it out. Do you feel like you're, you're learning lessons or you're advancing the field of polling in any way? I with think it? we are, and that's exactly what we're trying to do right now is just kind of help figure this out and be – you know, part of the research and the solution to figuring out a better way to kind of take the pulse of, you know, our municipality or, you know, whatever the citizenry is of interest. Um, We are in a very experimental phase and kind of trying to do everything we can to kind of test ourselves and our panel members against other polls that are being run. So, for example, um, Pew Foundation in Philadelphia uh, every 16 or every 18 months does a state of the city survey. And this is a random digit dial dual frame, meaning cell phone and landline survey of Philadelphia. And right now, this is sort of the gold standard of representative research in the city of Philadelphia. So we have a partnership with them and they have agreed to allow us for their upcoming survey, which I think will happen this summer sometime, to administer sort of a battery of their questions to our Be Heard Philly panel members. And then we'll be able to compare afterwards kind of how close our respondents, you know, once we weight them for all the demographic information that we have about them to what the kind of quote unquote random sample that is used by Pew. So I think we'll we'll be making a lot of uh, or we'll be learning a lot as we move forward. I can see how people would be engaged and you would get good response rates um, around this project because it's, you know, it's civic engagement. It's kind of feel good. The people who are opting in have some sort of desire to be heard. But do you think that the, that your lessons would translate to the heat of an election in an early primary state? I mean, I can just imagine, you know, what it must be like when all of a sudden your phone is buzzing, not just once a day or once a month, but like five, six times a day with another freaking poll from some other candidate or God forbid, a marketer or something. So I'm just I'm just curious whether you feel like the lessons really translate for large scale polling in other contexts. <laughs> well, I think I mean, it goes back to that kind of giving the respondent more control over how they're being contacted and how often they're being contacted. So, you know, we're very cognizant about people who say that, you know, they don't want to be contacted more than once a month. That's the most that they're willing to take a survey. And even though we might be running surveys more than once a month, we're only going to contact them once a month to respect their wishes and maintain that the quality of the relationship and that trust that we have with them. So, I mean, from a scaling perspective, I would imagine, you know, if more people continue to do this and there's, 
you know, renditions of this on the national level or the county level or something that aren't all operated by Temple ISR, which is possible. Um, you know, people could there could definitely be survey fatigue, which is the major problem happening nationwide now. So, right. I mean, that's the big challenge and the big the big question about going to to cell phones is it's easier to screen calls with cell phones. It's easier to get on do not call lists. Uh, you know, the opting out is a little easier online. It's easier to ignore stuff. So are you thinking about that or are you just kind of get your head down and focused on your little project? We are, but that's that, that's exactly, I mean, our methods are um, counter to all of that. I mean, we're, give, we're not cold calling people. We're not, um, you know, buying your address or your phone number from somewhere and inundating you with information or surveys or polls. These are people that we have in usually met face to face, explained the importance of this project and what we're trying to do and um, the, the you know, potential that we have in terms of making Philadelphia, a, a, you know, a model for civic engagement. And so these are people who have said, you know, they've committed to, yes, I am voluntarily agreeing to participate in surveys with Be Heard Philly and Temple ISR on an ongoing basis um, so that, you know, that we tell them to program the, the, you know, there's a number that the text messages come from and a number that the phone call numbers come from. So we tell them, you know, program that in your phone so that you could see that's Be Heard Philly calling you. You know, you know, it's us. It's This isn't some random, um, you know, solicitation or pollster. We'll get back to our conversation about Be Heard Philly in a minute. But first, What's the Point is brought to you by the Black Tux. The problem with wearing a rental tuxedo is that it looks like a rental tuxedo, and everybody kind of knows it. What if there were a way to get quality, crafted Italian wool suits and tuxedos rented to you easily online? Well, the Black Tux was created to solve just that problem, and the best part is it's hassle-free entirely on the internet. And since we're talking about polling today, I did a survey, a very informal survey of my own this week. I asked around with friends and friends of friends and found eight people I know who are either getting married this summer or part of weddings this summer. And here are my results. Two people had all their suits and tuxes and everything else lined up. Four people are in the process right now of trying to figure it out. And two people, I kind of got the impression I was the first person to give them the idea that, you know, they should dress up for the wedding. The point is, it's wedding season, and these decisions are being made right now. So why not let the Black Tux take the hassle out of at least that decision when it comes to a wedding or really any other event? All you have to do is visit theblacktux.com. You select your size and fit, and your quality-crafted suit arrives one week before your event. After the event is over, you just put the suit back in the box, drop it in the mail, and shipping is free both ways. So check it out. You'll see how easy it is to do when you visit theblacktux.com slash point. Make sure you go to theblacktux.com slash point so they know that this podcast sent you. Okay, back to the show. So talk a little bit more about the kind of person who opts in and engages with you and whether you feel like that's changing the kind of the kind of responses you're getting, the message that you're getting, because this is something that you know, all cities have to deal with is that often the voices that show up at community board meetings are the loudest ones, the stakeholders, and, you know, you want the stakeholders there. But how do you know that you're getting a real perspective as opposed to just the loudest voices and the people who are most invested? For us, I mean, in general, with, you know, survey poll uh, surveys and polls right now, response rates are in the single digits. So even with a quote unquote, you know, very representative sample, we're only getting 
six percent of the population. What about those other 94 percent of people who have said, no, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to take your survey. Um, So, you know, it's likely that we're probably grabbing those. Those are the same people that would be likely to join Be Heard Philly. But also, I think we're kind of getting to another circle around there um, that would be kind of the people who would be not willing. You know, if you randomly called them on the phone, they wouldn't be willing to share their opinion or, t- or or take a survey. But the fact that, you know, we've gone out into their community, met them, you know, on their corner or at their local bus stop, they've met us face to face. I think the likelihood of getting that kind of second tier ring around uh, that core center of, you know, the loud voices is really that's where we are right now of, you know, engaging citizens in that way and kind of broadening the the reach of polling and, you know, opting out, that kind of thing. I'm wondering if you think about the the kind of payoff to your work a little bit. Um, you know, when I read about this and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, it feels like it's more than it's like a next step beyond just polling. It feels like it's civic engagement, like it's giving people a chance to have a voice in their community. Do you worry that people who are participating feel like they're going to get heard and what they tell you is going to get done and it's going to go right to, you know, the mayor or whatever? Yeah. So, well, yes. I mean, that kind of feedback piece of what's going to happen with these data are and and the responses to these questionnaires is a really, really um, important part of Be Heard Philly. So, we launched this pilot in November in one particular neighborhood in Philadelphia called Germantown. So we sent out um, our outreach team into the community and we put up uh, bus shelter ads all over within this neighborhood. And it had a social media campaign that focused on neighborhood organizations and things like that. And then we did kind of about four weeks of trying to recruit. Then we conducted a couple of focus groups. So we recruited half people that were already members of Be Heard Philly and had taken a couple of surveys and had already been recruited. And then um, we also did focus groups with people who had never heard of Be Heard Philly but lived in that area and just kind of wanted to get a sense from them, like, tell us everything that you think about this so far. You know, what's your experience been like? Um, what are your concerns? Um, you know, what do you think about our, our materials? What do you think about our outreach coordinator? So we really wanted to get a lot of feedback. Um, and, you know, from both groups, from both the groups that n- had already joined and those who we're just learning about it for the first time. You know, the big question, it's, everyone thought, oh, my gosh, this is a great idea. You know, we're really excited about this. But what's going to happen with this? So say I, you know, spend time once a month or a couple times a month to fill out these surveys and, uh, you know, give you all of my thoughts and opinions. What's going to happen to this and how am I going to know that this is actually going to be used for um, a real purpose? And so that's something that we are working with our clients really to make sure that, you know, the, this isn't just political polling. This isn't just like, let's get a set, let's try and predict who's going to win the presidential election. This is really, um, you know, the streets department wants to know what Philadelphians know about traffic laws so that they can design better campaigns, outreach um, infrastructure that can help make Philadelphia a safer place to get around, you know, however you are doing so. Um, And so then our job not only is to gather that information, but trying to figure out a way to ensure that the client is using that information to make improvements in the city of Philadelphia, but then also trying to figure out how we can show that to Be Heard Philly and make sure that they're understanding that um, these are the results of the surveys that you've participated in. These are the results of you being willing to share your voice and speak on these topics. I 
it sounds like you're confident that you can sort of keep the pressure up, I guess, on government to to really follow through. But do you worry that government agencies would say, oh, you know, we ran this survey and we got some information. So we've heard from the people, you know, and maybe then they're abdicating their responsibility to, I don't know, do more or or hold meetings or really kind of talk to interest groups. Um, You know, what's 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 the changing ecosystem of the way that Philadelphians voices are heard. Yeah. I mean, that is honestly, that is a little bit scary for us because we don't really have control over ultimately what they're going to do. And they can, you know, when they come to us and want to run a survey, they can promise that they're going to do X, Y, and Z. But, you know, we can't hold them to making those changes or from what we can do is, you know, have a respectful ongoing relationship with our panel members and let them know kind of what we've shown. And for example, we're about to do a citywide survey um, for customer satisfaction for the water department. And, you know, ultimately these results will inform ways that they think about improving their customer service for this, you know, city utility that everybody is a customer of. So we'll have to try and be really strategic about how we, Show, you know, the data that the water department takes and the key recommendations and takeaways that uh, are the key recommendations that we make to them and the takeaways that they have. And then how we show Be Heard Philly, the importance of the information that they've shared. And then, you know, make sure that we also communicate any evidence of this is what the water department has done with the information that you've given them. Right. And I guess I just wonder if how you think of this fitting into the the, the larger push towards open data among cities and having more access for citizens and for journalists to the data that used to just be kind of sitting in a in a file cabinet somewhere in City Hall. Yeah, that's something that we're definitely thinking about and wanting to you know be able to be a resource for everybody in Philadelphia, um, both in terms of sharing their opinions, but also for gathering information. And so, you know, as we grow, we continue to figure out kind of how we want to store data or make data available to people, um, what types of kind of terms and conditions we have with the people who are administering surveys through us, all of that. But that's definitely on our radar and something that's important to us. Are there any other cities doing this or planning to do this? So we're the first citywide opt-in survey panel. Um, We actually, after we had launched, we thought that we were the first ones, but um, after we launched, we found out that um, the Portland metro area, so uh, around kind of southern Washington state and around um, the city of Portland, have done a similar project, and it's just called opt-in. But have you heard from other cities that that are keeping an eye on what you're doing? Yeah, so I've presented on Be Heard Philly at a couple of different um, local, national, and international conferences, and there is a lot of interest and buzz around this. And so, you know, we definitely have the idea of kind of going bigger, you know, once we kind of master Be Heard Philly doing, you know, we have, there's five counties that surround Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley. So kind of doing a Be Heard five counties or Be Heard uh, Philadelphia area, you know, a Be Heard Pennsylvania. Um, we actually have been working closely. The state of Colorado has come to us and said that they wanted to do a Be Heard Colorado. So they've got a website up and going. So you can check that out. That's their panel is a little bit more health focused than ours, but the same general idea. So I think, you know, what we're hoping to do is learn as much as we can in Philadelphia and kind of build this out and make it as robust and successful as possible and then be able to kind of turn outwards and expand, you know, in our own region, but also help other municipalities that want to replicate these methods. Nina Ho of Temple University and the Be Heard Philly Project. Thanks. uh, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is great. That's Nina Ho of Temple, and the project is Be Heard Philly. On our website, you can see some of the flyers and other information about how they are getting people to participate and some of their early results. 
What's the Point's editor is Chadwick Matlin. Jonathan Yales helped produce this episode, and we have studio help from Tony Chow. Joel Werner helped mix and produce. And welcome to our new podcast and video intern, Lucina Melesio. We're very excited to have her on board, and she's already working hard on a couple new projects, which you're going to start hearing very soon. So thank you, and welcome, Lucina. Our music is by Rishikesh Hirway, host of the Song Exploder podcast. You should subscribe to Song Exploder. There's a link to that on our website, and also on our website is a link to download the theme music for this podcast that doesn't have me talking all over it. My name is Jody Avergan. You can find me on Twitter or email podcasts at 538.com with any ideas or comments about the show. Be sure to subscribe to What's the Point in iTunes or your favorite podcast client and give us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we have in iTunes, the higher we are in the iTunes rankings and the higher we are in the rankings, the easier it is for someone to discover the show. Thanks for listening. See you soon. See you soon.